Okay, go ahead and open your Bibles uh, to Psalm chapter 1 and 2, and that's where we're going to be looking today. And in my experience with believers, either you really love the book of Psalms or you don't get it so much. Uh, raise your hand if you love the Psalms. Raise your hand if you go to the Psalms. Yeah, like there's, it's, it's, there's a lot of people who go there. Uh, the book of Psalms is like the divine playlist of the people of God. Maybe you have an Apple playlist or a Spotify playlist on your phone. You might have several playlists on your devices, but the Psalms are God's playlist for his people. They are divinely inspired songs uh, prayers and poems that capture all of the raw emotion that often accompany the highs and lows of life. There are joyful psalms. There are psalms of lament. There are royal psalms. There's these ones called imprecatory psalms. They're the ones that you read and you're like, is he allowed to say that? This is the Bible. We're Christians, right? And they talk about their enemies in a sort of certain way. But the Psalter is so much more than a jukebox that you pull top hits out of when you're feeling a certain type of way. It might be the easiest place to turn for a quick read your Bible moment, but they are so much deeper than a random read to help you with your bad day. The Psalms help the people of God find their hope in God. And in the Psalter, our, our thoughts are drawn to meditate and celebrate the laws of God. Uh, they were the divine retelling of Israel's history and their deliverance by Yahweh, who was always faithful. Uh, the Psalms are prophetic in nature as they look ahead to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, but they're still prophetic in the fact that they look ahead to every tribe, every tongue, every nation gathering together uh, on Mount Zion in the end, in the new heavens and the new earth to adore the Son. And all of that shapes what's one of the most important books in all the Bible. It's like a commentary on the entire council of God's word. Of its 150 chapters, 129 of them are quoted throughout the rest of the Bible. So it makes the Psalms great for memorization. I would encourage every person in the room to memorize Psalm chapter 1. Uh, our kids are doing it uh, in Gospel City Kids. This week I was riding my bike around the neighborhood and my daughter Callie was quoting Psalm 1 as we drove by. It blessed me. And our staff's going to try to memorize it. I would love for you to try to memorize it. The Psalms are great for devotional meditation which is why we're going to read it over the next seven weeks and kind of saturate ourselves, take a slow um, roll through it. And uh, the Psalms are a great way to learn how to take your anger, your sadness, and your unmet expectations to God and allow his spirit and his law to lead you toward righteousness. Now, as we look at Psalm 1 and 2 today, they give us the gateway to the entire Psalter. Uh, pr the, the, the main characters present in Psalm 1 and 2 are really the main characters that you see throughout the entire book of Psalms. We see Yahweh, uh, as the Psalms praise his character, rehearse his mighty deeds, and petition him in prayer. We see the Messiah. How can the Messiah be in the Psalms? This is written thousand, a thousand years before Jesus ever came. Well, Israel was anticipating a Messiah who would crush the wicked and reestablish reign in a world that is lost in rebellion... And then there's two characters that represent you and me in the book of Psalms. Typically the righteous and the wicked. And the righteous are those who embrace God's law, who obey God's law, and who hope in the Son. And the wicked are those who do the opposite. So the first two chapters of Psalms, they can be summed up like this. Love the Word, love the Son, and you will be blessed by Yahweh. 
And don't think of blessing as like an earthly comfort. That's the way that we typically think of blessing. Think of blessing as in eternity with the God of glory. And all the psalms can be summed, psalms can be summed up like this. There's really two options for you and for me. You will either be categorized at the end of your life with the righteous or with the wicked. And the righteous love God's law and love God's son, but the wicked do not. So let's dive in together, starting in Psalm chapter 1. And we know from Acts 4.24, our friend Peter in Acts 4, when he was praying for boldness before his accusers, he quotes King David in Psalm chapter 2. So we know that King David wrote Psalm chapter 2. And and then for literary purposes and reasons, we believe that David wrote Psalm 1. It just seems that they should be read and and, um, studied together. And so let's dive in this morning and let's get our eyes on a copy of Psalm 1. And I'm just going to read that and allow it to speak over us. And would you just take a moment, breathe in and breathe out. Ask the Spirit of God to move in this holy moment as we read his word. Now hear the word of the Lord. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, for they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And as we anchor ourselves, starting in Psalm 1, it really breaks down into three simple categories. You have the blessed man's delight, you have the blessed man's fruit, and you have the blessed man's destination. And then as we jump into Psalm 2, we see the opposite play out as there is rebellion from wicked kings and Yahweh judges accordingly. So uh, in chapter 1, verse 1, it starts out, blessed is the man. Now, blessed is like a way overused generic term in our culture today. You could probably go to Hobby Lobby and find a million signs that say blessed, have a blessed day, hashtag blessed. They're probably all over your grandma's uh, kitchen, that sort of thing. Uh, but, but, But being blessed in regards to how Psalm 1 speaks of it, and also Jesus, Psalm Uh, The book of Psalms and Jesus both started their earthly ministry, their message, with declaring blessedness to the people of God. And in regards to how the Psalms speak of blessedness, how Jesus spoke of blessedness, you want to be blessed by God in this way. Because God is the blesser, and if you're not blessed by God, then you are cursed by God. So there's not a person in the room today who wouldn't want to be blessed in the sense that Psalm 1 is using the word. This is true and lasting and eternal happiness. Now, I was reading this week in um, the World Happiness Report. Just the fact that there is such a thing shows you that the whole world is looking for happiness. And it's like 200 pages deep. And long, and I was uh, deep diving into it, reading. And what I found is this. Everybody is looking for happiness. But most people are dissatisfied with their level of happiness this side of heaven. And there are some of you in the room today who are not experiencing happiness at all. 
you're not experiencing true and lasting and eternal happiness for sure because you are not walking in the way of the righteous. You want the blessing from God without doing things God's way. You want God to bless your situation. You want God to bless your relationships. You want God to bless your marriage. You want God to bless your business, but you want to do those things your way. I'm very familiar with this as a pastor. I talk to people all the time. I think of a lot of the times we think about blessing as earthly comforts. And so I talk to people and they're asking questions. My life is falling apart. Things aren't going well. Can you give me some advice? And a few questions later, you realize that lives are riddled with sin and lives are riddled with doing things their way rather than what God has called us to in his word. And then we quickly realize and wonder why our lives feel empty regardless of what we've accumulated on this earth. Psalm 1 and 2 wants to help you with this. Uh, It's really way more simple than we as humans make it. We blunder all the time. Psalm 1 and 2 want to help you. God's way equals blessing, eternal blessing, life with God in eternity. Your way equals never satisfied, never truly happy, and ultimately cursed in the end. So point number one this morning is this. If I do things God's way, my life will be blessed forever. If I do things God's way, my life will be blessed forever. So Psalm 1 starts by telling us what the blessed man does not do. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not stand in the way of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Do you notice the progression of those who go the way of the world? Some of you have experienced this. Some of you are living in this currently. None of these moments in the progression are good for you, but they will undoubtedly kill you. And so uh, the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. At first, you're just taking unwise counsel from people of the world. This is often how the path of sinfulness starts in our lives. We just start listening to counsel that is contrary to God's word or even believing lies that are contrary to God's word. That's why it matters who you hang out with. Uh, For all the young people in the room, it matters greatly who you surround yourself with. It matters uh, the type of friends that you have. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.33, everyone should memorize this, bad company corrupts good character. You want to have the character of Christ, you want your life to reflect Jesus, and you want to have the character that God calls us to in his word, then you better care about the kind of people that you surround yourself with. Because before long, as you walk in the counsel of the wicked, you will be standing in the way of sinners. No longer will you be walking with sinners, hearing their ideas and what they think. Now we're all of a sudden numbered among them. And if you listen to ungodly counsel long enough, you'll eventually find yourself taking their advice and you'll be doing life their way rather than God's way. And that's why everything you put into your mind is so important. Everything in this life is trying to counsel you. Your music choice, it's trying to counsel you. I've played the whole thing. Like, I don't listen to the lyrics. I just listen to the beat. But, I mean, those things are putting ideas in your mind that draw your attention away from the things of God. Your TV shows, your movies, the things that you read, the blogs that you go to, all of them are trying to counsel you in some way. And the world wants you to walk with them. And if you're not careful soon, 
you will be standing with the sinners. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And when the love of the Father is not in you, you won't just walk in the counsel of the wicked. You won't just stand in the way of sinners. Now you will be sitting in the seat of scoffers. And the psalmist, he uses David, he's using the words wicked, sinners, and scoffers to show us the progression that gets further and further away from God's way and God's blessing. A scoffer uh, is someone who is totally committed to evil. The scoffer mocks the way of the righteous. So in David's day, the scoffer refused to live by the covenant of Israel's God. They ignored God's law. They scoffed at God's law. And for us, the scoffer refused to see Jesus as Lord of their life. So the way of the sinner doesn't want to give up the comforts, the pleasures, and the idolatry of this world. And the scoffer is ultimately their own God. And he gets there by slowly taking advice from the wicked and then standing among sinners. But the psalmist writes, blessed is the man who does not go this way. But verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, as David proclaims, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. Understand that David's referring to the first five books of the Bible. David didn't have a neatly bound Bible that he carried everywhere with him like we get to have. He probably didn't carry the scrolls around in his back pocket. That would be a pain. Uh, David's referring to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. How many of you can say, oh, I wake up every day and I delight in the book of Numbers? Probably not. That's probably where you give up on your reading plan, right? Or you're like, I delight in the laws of Leviticus. Oh, I just wake up every day and I just want to chew on the laws of God. For you and I, the way of the Lord is found in the word of God. The law of the Lord would suggest the instruction of the Lord. This book shows us so much. It shows us who we are as sinners. It shows us who God is as holy Yahweh, the creator of the universe who is to be feared, who is to be worshiped, who, is to, who we are to surrender to. It shows us who Jesus is, the savior of the world, who came to save us from our sins and die in our place on a cross. It shows us how we must respond to the gospel every day. We must repent of our sin and believe on Jesus Christ. And it largely tells us as Christ followers how to conduct our lives for the glory of Christ, but also for our own good. And where else do we expect to get these things from? You know, this, the Psalms are the wisdom literature. Uh, it's speaking of, if you'll live this way... Uh, you will find the blessing of God uh, in eternity for sure, but often in the things that you put your hands to here on earth as we live according to what God has called us to. But this is a big problem with the world right now because we've come to believe that our feelings or our desires should dictate our moral code and our identity. And so we've traded God's law which is meant to protect us for man's pleasure, which will undoubtedly destroy us. 
And God's law is as relevant to us today as it was to David back then. And we have so much more of the divine narrative compiled for us. We know that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law, but not so we could ignore it so that we could be saved to delight in it, just as David says the blessed man does. So I got to ask you, do you delight in the law of the Lord? Notice uh, that it doesn't say that it was his duty to delight. It wasn't his duty to go to the law of the Lord. It wasn't his drudgery to go to the law of the Lord. How many of you have woken up at some point in the week and you're like, oh, just, I'm tired of being told to read my Bible. There's got to be an easier way. There's got to be an easier place to go. David's delight is in the law of the Lord. His joy, his pleasure, his happiness has been found in doing things God's way. Do you approach God's word with that type of eagerness every day? What are some of the most routine joys that you have in your life? I was thinking about a marathon runner this week who gets up every day knowing that they're going to run their goal for the day. I haven't seen too many happy runners, but I'm guessing they exist. Um, There is delight in the run for them. Uh, There is joy in the perseverance toward the goal. There is happiness through the process and the accomplishment. The runner delights in the run of the day. But the Christian must delight in the law of the Lord. And your delight in it isn't just you reading your Bible every day. It's not the 10 minutes, the 15 minutes, the 30 minutes that maybe you give to your devotions each and every day. Notice what the psalmist says. It says he meditates day and night on the law of the Lord. The blessed man has the laws of God so rooted in his heart, mind, and mouth that he chews on them every day. Jeremiah talks about how he eats the word of God. He thinks about them when life is hard. He recites the laws of God when he is discouraged. He prays them and gives thanks to God. He obeys them when he's faced with a decision or an opportunity from the world. And Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. And if God's way from God's word becomes your meditation every day and every night, it will render sin more and more powerless in your life. You want to sin less? Get in God's word. You want to sin less? Understand God's word. Read your Bible. Know God's word. Chew on it day in and day out through every circumstance, every situation that you face, all of your discouragement. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Every time you sin, you are doing something your way rather than God's way. And that's why we meditate on God's law. That's why we come to delight in God's way. Because God's way makes us bear fruit as Christians. God's way makes us grow strong in the Lord. God's way even tells us that we will prosper in our way. We will prosper in all that we do. We will prosper in the things that we put our hands to. Look at what it says in verse 3. The man who doesn't walk in the way of the Lord but delights in the law of the Lord, verse 3, he is like a tree 
planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Well, who doesn't want that to be true for their life? I absolutely want a fruitful life. I absolutely don't want to wither up. I want my life to look healthy and like a well-nourished tree in full bloom. I absolutely want to prosper in all that I do. And so does everyone. Everyone that's being honest would say, I would love for my life to look like that description. But not everyone wants to do things God's way, which is the only way that leads to true and lasting and eternal blessing. If you think about a tree, it does the exact same thing every day, especially a tree planted by streams of water. Regardless of the weather changes, regardless of the seasons that life throws at it, a tree by a stream of water, if it had feelings, would delight in soaking up water from that moist ground every day and every night. It just does it. It wakes up and does it automatically. It doesn't wake up one morning and decide, you know what, I don't like water anymore. I want to try a different source of sustenance. I'd like to try orange juice or something solid. It remains planted and it takes in that which the Lord gave it to take in and it grows strong, it produces fruit, and it has a prosperous life. It grows in strength and in stature and in production and it grows upward toward Yahweh God and it grows outward toward the people of God, and the same can be true for all of those who delight in taking in that which God has made you to take in. Why do we wake up in the middle of our problems? Why do we wake up in the middle of our chaos? Why do we wake up in the middle of our disappointments in life and assume that we can find answers that will help us apart from the word of God? Isn't it so easy? And that's that's how sin creeps in. We start to look for counsel from people or uh, writings or things that are contrary to the word of God because we've not delighted in going to God's word. It's just been kind of a duty or even drudgery at times. Uh, We are meant, we are called to take in that which God has given us to take in. And so every day is an opportunity to not just read the word of God, but to recite it and to chew on it and to meditate it and to pray it and to recite it over our discouragement, over our problems, over our disappointment. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now point number two, really simple. If I do things my way, my life will perish. Point number one, if you do things God's way, your life will be blessed forever. But if you do things your way, your life will perish The blessed man is like a tree that prospers and bears fruit. But verse 4 says this. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. The wicked man does not delight in the law of the Lord. It's fair to say that the wicked follow the progression found in verse 1. But they live their life like their way is better than God's way. Like they are above God's laws and boundaries. And this is not only wicked, but it is rebellion deep within the sinner's heart. Those who live according to their own will or their own desires or their own moral code are not like a fruitful, sturdy tree. You are like the dry husks of wheat whose purpose is through and the wind will carry you away. See, when the farmer would throw the wheat into the air... 
uh, the chaff was that scaly, dry coating uh, at the top of the wheat. They would throw it, and it was useless. It had no more purpose, and the wind would carry it away, and it would disappear. And so it is with your life if you reject God's way and live your own way. You really serve no eternal purpose. You bring no value to anyone. And verse 5 says, Therefore, therefore, if you walk in the counsel of the wicked, if you stand in the way of sinners, if you sit in the seat of scoffers, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You will not stand. That translates to rise or arise in the judgment, which is talking about the final judgment, the culmination of all of history. This is the culmination of humanity. This is the resurrection that all of us will receive. And Daniel 12, 2 says this, some will be resurrected to eternal life and some to everlasting shame and contempt. So at the end of your life, if you've lived as the blessed man lives, Delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on the law of the Lord, walking in the way of God, your life will be blessed for eternity. If you've walked in your way, you will be like the chaff that is blown away. The wicked will not hide in this moment, but will stand out in this moment, not as worthy, but as worthless. And like the chaff, they will be blown away. And the wicked is categorized not as the most evil villains and tyrants of the world, but as sinners. If you're here today and you have yet to put your hope and trust and faith in Jesus Christ, um, you would find yourself in the category of the wicked. You might not feel very wicked. In fact, your life might feel great. And you might be like, I love the things that I'm into. And I have a lot of fun. And I don't really need God's word and God's law telling me how to live my life. I want to live my life how I want to live my life. I want to do the things that bring me pleasure. I want to do the things that bring me joy. And that's how deceptive sin is. That's how deceptive the counsel of the wicked is. It says, hey, just you got to have a little bit of this. You can have God, but, man, you got to live your life this way. Don't let those Christians tell you how to live your life. Uh, don't let the Bible uh, hold you captive. Uh, follow this. Uh, enjoy. You only live once. Like, live it up. Have a party. And that way will lead to a life when you stand before Yahweh who is holy and who has never sinned and who is to be feared and revered and who has given us all that we need for life and for godliness. When we stand before God, we will give an account as to whether or not we followed in his way or we lived life our way. All who love the counsel of the world, all who choose to live their own way rather than God's way will not rise to the occasion in the final judgment, nor will they be invited to the congregation of the righteous. You notice the plurality of that term? There is a future gathering for the righteous. I get pretty excited about that. There's a future gathering of people who live their life like the blessed man lives his life. Those who delight in the law of the Lord... Those who do things God's way and not their own will arise in the final judgment. And verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord knows. Yeah, the Lord does know because the Lord gave us the way. 
The Lord gave us the law of the Lord. God wrote out his law so his people would know how to honor him and to live according to his purposes. But God also knows something else. God knows that our hearts as human beings are deceitfully wicked above all things. And while the way of the blessed man leads to the delighting in the law of the Lord, many will not stand in the congregation of the righteous because the majority of humanity lives their lives delighting in the way, their way over God's. And all of us have been there. All of us were born into the brokenness of this world, understanding that I don't have what it takes to keep God's laws. I don't have what it takes to delight in God's way. And the way of the wicked will perish. History has proven it. Point number three this morning is this, as we jump into Psalm 2. History has proven that your way will perish. History has proven that your way will perish. Would you look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 3? It starts out, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. So Psalm 1 gives us the fruit of the way of the righteous and Psalm 2 begins with earthly chaos. We see the nations raging. We see the peoples plotting not for righteous outcomes, but for wicked. It's almost like Psalm 2 was written yesterday. And the word plotting is the same word used for meditate in chapter 1. So the blessed man makes his meditation the laws of God. The wicked make their meditation their own plans and their own desires. And the kings, they set themselves and take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So it's safe to say that these kings have walked in the counsel of the wicked. And they have stood among sinners and they now sit, they've set themselves in the seat of scoffers. They've set themselves in positions of authority and their counsel goes against the Lord rather than delights in the law of the Lord and raging nations and people plotting and meditating on evil is the outcome. And their desires are not to uphold the way of the righteous but to burst it apart and to cast it away. And that's, what, that's where the world finds themselves. I don't want a law holding me bondage. I don't want to be bound to the word of God. Let's burst that apart. Let's cut ourselves free and let's do what we want in our own eyes. The world views God's law and God's way as bondage. They want to be blessed by God in their situation, but they don't want to surrender to him as Lord. They don't want to be told how to live. They don't want a master, so they make a master out of their own flesh, and this way will surely perish. And look at verse 4. As the people of the world plot in vain and scoff at God's law, it says, He, Yahweh, sits in the heavens and laughs. The Lord laughs at the wicked attempts to thwart his way. Does that encourage you? Does that make you tremble this morning? The Lord isn't threatened in the slightest by the evil and plotting kings of the world. Uh, They can make policy. They can call evil good and good evil. But God sits over all of the world and its wicked attempts are laughable to him. Verse 4 goes on. And the Lord holds them in derision. 
Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And this should serve as a warning to anyone that would walk in the counsel of the wicked. This should serve as a warning to all of us, not to go your way, but to be careful to obey God's laws and walk in his way. Those who go their own way, God holds in derision. He regards you with mockery. And you may mock God today, but he will mock you in the final judgment. And all uh, God will have to do is speak, and his wrath will terrify the wicked. His fury will cause the most confident, evil, godless tyrant to crumble and squeal. And ultimately, all of us find ourselves in this reality concerning the holiness of God. It's so easy to read these things and point the finger and be like, yeah, that guy, he's got it coming to him. We have to point the finger back at ourselves as people who are uh, sinful and separated from the God of glory. We are born dead in our trespasses and sins. We are born not delighting in the law of the Lord, but following the course of this world. Uh, We are born standing in the way of sinners. We are not born as the blessed man. We are born standing in the way of sinners, ultimately sitting in the seat of scoffers, scoffing at a holy God who deserves our lives, who deserves our praise, who deserves our worship. That's where we are born. But God who is rich in mercy has set his king on Zion, his holy hill. That's what David says in Psalm 2. And the anointed king not only will destroy the wicked, but he will inherit the nations and take a people for his own possession to the ends of the earth. Even in Psalm 2, thousand years before Jesus ever came, a thousand years before Jesus stood on the Mount of Olivet and said to his disciples, be my witnesses in all the world. Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. David was proclaiming that God has set his anointed king on Zion and he will claim a people for himself to the ends of the earth. David in Psalm 2 is writing of the prophetic promise that God gave him in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And God said to David, I will be to him a father And he will be my son. God promised to establish forever the kingdom of David's son. Nothing can come against God's anointed. And this was temporally true for King David. It was eternally true in the better David who was to come. Ultimately our Messiah. Ultimately our Savior. Our saving hope that we might walk in the way of the Lord and delight in the law of God. And that leads us to our final point this morning. History has proven that your way will perish. Point number four, Jesus has proven that he is the way to blessing. Jesus has proven that he is the way to blessing. Jesus delighted in the law of the Lord perfectly. Jesus never walked in the counsel of the wicked Jesus never stood in the way of sinners or sat in the seat of scoffers. Jesus' life was like a tree planted by streams of water. And he prospered in the will of the Father. 
And Jesus took the judgment of the wicked when he died on the cross. And he was buried with the wicked, it says in Isaiah chapter 53. But he rose from the dead as the righteous. And as the way of the wicked will perish, Jesus became the way to the congregation of the righteous for all who will call upon his great name. Jesus is the ultimate example of the blessed man. Because Jesus was the only one who could perfectly delight in God's law and cleanse us from our sin so that we might follow in his way. That is amazing. Uh, You can't be the blessed man without the blessed man who came from heaven to die on a cross in your place as a substitute for your sin. You have to call upon this great name of Jesus to save you so that you might walk the path of blessing into eternity. Look in verse 10. It says, Now therefore, O kings, be wise, and be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, pay homage to the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. David says, kings who are raging, people who are plotting, be warned, serve the Lord with fear. That same warning stands for us today. Be warned, serve the Lord with fear. All he has to do is speak and you will crumble. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Come before God knowing that he is holy, knowing that you don't have it together. You don't have what it takes. And the only way to get to God is through the perfect sacrifice of his perfect son, Jesus Christ. You need his blood to cover your sinfulness. It's the only way that you will stand before God one day and not be judged, not be blown away, not crumble in fear, not sent away to an eternity in destruction in hell. You desperately need Jesus Christ, the blessed man, to not only cover your sinfulness, but to be your example for how to walk in this life. Psalm 1 begins with, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. And Psalm 2 ends with, blessed is the man who honors the Christ and takes refuge in him. If you will love the word of God, and if you will love the Son, Jesus the Christ, you will be blessed and counted among the righteous. And this is God's way, and it's the only way that can save you. It's the only way that can help you. It's the only way that leads to life. And we can be so thankful for the completed narrative that we have. We have so much more of the story than King David did. And yet he was able to hope in God. He was able to anticipate a Messiah. But we should be so thankful for the gospel as the people of God. Don't let it grow old. Don't let it just be a story that saved you in your past. This is every day, man. This is every day that you wake up and your feet hit the ground. You recognize that God is holy, that I'm a sinner, that Jesus is Savior, and I repent and I believe And I want to serve the Lord with gladness. And I come before him with trembling and I stand in awe of him. And man, it leads me to worship. Man, it leads me 
to adore him, to magnify him, to exalt him because the sinless Savior died. And my sinful soul has been counted free for God the just was satisfied to look on him and to pardon me. And it's ultimately because of God's pardoning that I can delight in living God's way. And God's way is the only way that leads to blessing. Oh, how we need Yahweh. And um, the Psalms, you know, they're meant to lead you to praise, meant to lead you to worship regardless of where you are uh, in life, regardless of your circumstances. We've cleared out some space in this series, at least this week. We sang a little less at the beginning. We're going to sing a little more right now and respond to the God of glory. You may have come in discouraged today. Uh, I think Psalm 1 gives you what you need. Love the word of God and love the Son, Jesus Christ. And let your gaze be fixed there. Don't look to the right or to the left. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the example of the blessed man. And follow him in all of your ways, for this alone will lead to the blessed life, a life of eternity. I want to invite you to bow your heads. Just take a moment to respond to the truth of God's word. Breathe in his grace. Breathe out his praise. The hope of living this way should give you a greater dependence on God because you can't do it without him. Tell him how much you need him. Father God, we tremble at your majesty. We come boldly, but Lord, we trod gently upon holy ground, fearing you, knowing that you are big and mighty and sin cannot dwell in your presence. And Lord, if we're honest, we deserve to be incinerated. We deserve to be blown away like the chaff. And yet it makes us all the more thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ that has saved our souls. Without Jesus, our lives are worthless. Without Jesus, we cannot be in your presence. But because of Jesus, because of the blessed man, our lives can be forever changed. We can have the hope of the blessing of heaven. Our lives can look like a tree that's planted by streams of water. Lord, you can help us to bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Lord, would you allow it to radiate from your people because we delight in the law of the Lord that has been made possible by Jesus Christ. Lord, would you help our leaves to not wither? Would you help us to prosper in the things that we put our hands to? Would you help the joy that radiates from our life to be contagious because we are so committed to your way that we continually deny the counsel of the wicked? God, draw out our sinfulness. God, draw out of us the things that aren't of you. Cause us to live a holy life. Happiness will not come by direct pursuit, Lord. 
Happiness comes when we pursue you, the holy God. May we pursue holiness over happiness and understand that you will provide the blessing. God, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.